Hey. What's going on? It was nice to have someone come into the office and and do it in person, wasn't it? It was. It was it was very it was very nice. Had a few cocktails. It was everything we talked about when we started it. You know, nice relaxed environment, a few cocktails, nothing crazy. In our nice fun offices, way better. And to me, the moment she got into this family feud rabbit hole, mm. I it was like we left the Earth's atmosphere and we were in space. It felt so good. Yeah, I mean it was so it was so great how it just casually came across when she said I used to work for Family Feud. And it was just almost like, you know, I used to pitch for the Houston Astros. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just like completely out of left field. And we both just stopped in our tracks and we were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was like, I, I once went to the moon on spring break as well. Yeah. Well, I, want you to, I used to be a lead guitarist for the Rolling Stones. What? That sounds kind of like some of my bullshit stories I tell people in the bars. I uh, and I just can't get the sentence. Um, Steve Harvey is nobody's Plan B. I mean, I it's, I want merch. I want shirts that say that. I want trucker hats that say that. <laughs> Do you think I'm he's nobody's... ever? <laughs> what? I wonder how many people he's actually said that to. Like Steve Harvey is no one's plan. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, it's it it actually ended up being like pretty good advice because it turned her it turned her, uh, her career into what it is. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely the angel on her her shoulder. Well, the, the uh, other interesting. Well, but the other interesting thing was with Cole and you. Like, I got to tell you this. I don't think I've watched Family Feud ever other than when Richard Dawson was doing it. And and you guys sounded like you knew every episode. I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get off Netflix or something because, man, I I don't think I've ever seen Family Feud with Steve Harvey. I'm sure I have, but not anything uh, that resonated. It's pretty solid. I I went deep in during the pandemic. I don't know why. I think just being home during the day and yeah, I I got into it. The other thing that was interesting was how much abuse you take as a female in the sports world, especially a female holding a microphone. I mean, it yeah. sounds like every day somebody's shooting arrows at you online, these trolls. And um, it, it sounded pretty brutal what you got to push through. Yeah. I mean, the part of it is that, that you feel bad for, I'm sure, you know, her and anyone else in her position, or even I'm sure the, you know, male counterparts. I mean, it's, people are just so uh, unbelievably um, um, rude, you know, making comments about, you know, their appearances and it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, yeah, I guess you shouldn't be surprised. People are pretty tough hiding behind, you know, anonymous text messages or whatever they do to communicate, but yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I left the conversation just kind of wanting to root for her. Like what I have seen her on the twins since. And um, I just, she really, uh, she really tries hard. And I think in her life, as she'll talk about, she's been knocked down a few times by people and 
she seems to always get back up. So I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed our conversation. I, um, she's been around so long that I, I, I just kind of consider her sort of one of us when I watch broadcasts. I don't, I don't think a lot about it. Um, but yeah, I do want to, I find myself pulling for her now that I know her better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, um, I've always thought she did a nice job in both the twins and the wild. So, you know, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest, you know, uh, critiquer of broadcast folk, you know, I mean, I know people go crazy over certain broadcasters and that's so why I've always just been like, but I mean, I've always thought she's done a really good job. And after meeting her, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers too. So I'm definitely pulling for her. And now we found out that we'll be able to interview intern Cole and get deep into his, uh, pottery yeah i don't know if that was the way you wanted to say it but um <laughs> yeah that, that that was another shocking moment in that day to find out that uh, our intern is is uh he fancies himself as a pottery professional and and then of course the first thing you ask him is hey oh, you like the, the the scene on ghost and he's like what movie is that so yeah. then i made they made me feel like i was 900 years old yeah, you you actually are a ghost when you ask that question to anyone under thirty. Well, I, am a, I, I am a ghost. He's got the. He says he's got the kick kick wheel, and he he works the wheel. And so I think this is just worth saying that anyone else that happens to be a guest on Can You Keep a Secret is going to get a piece of custom pottery made by intern Cole. Um, maybe listening to, uh, you know the music from ghost maybe not we, we haven't quite encouraged him to watch it but but he might i think that i think for anyone who's yet to be on it's a big thrill yeah it's a big deal i think this will separate us from some of the other major major podcasts like i think they yeah. do coffee cups and you know this is a handmade bespoke piece of pottery and i joe rogan is he giving out homemade pottery i don't i don't think he has any of that stuff he doesn't have access to that <laughs> well there we go got something up on joe rogan oh so so this is uh episode lucky number six can you keep a secret part of the pull tab sports family this is audra martin so john's the no no we're trying something different today it's going to be great. Oh, boy. I'm going to the roots of why we did this. Okay. Right. Because we haven't really done it correctly so far. So, Can You Keep a Secret was meant to be, if we saw you out somewhere, mm -hmm. and we just went up to you and started talking to you, mm -hmm. what would we talk to you about? Right. And, and that's kind of what we, we want it to be, and so we're going to try that tonight. I have, like, so what's typically happened, though, mm -hmm. Then we start doing it, and you get like a little like nervous, like, well, this this has to be like a regular podcast, so you start right. asking all the regular stuff. So I think we're gonna go full freelance. So if I were just to bump into you yeah. somewhere, um, I probably I think the sideline gig is so different than the anchor gig, yes, right, very. Um, and like I'm kind of fascinated by walk off like scenarios in baseball, mm -hmm. and like this idea of just. Like, if, if we had a walk-off right now, we would take all that stuff on the table and just throw it at yeah. anyone. Or, like, there's, like, <laughs> boxes of Captain Crunch flying yeah. in the air. Like, what what's yep. happening? But what do you like better, the the 
the booth stuff or like out on the field rep- roving reporter sideline stuff? That's usually the number one question I get when I do meet people. So you're right on the money. Um, it's hard to say, to be honest with you, because, and I mean this in all honesty, when hockey season gets going, I'm like, man, I don't want it to end. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not ready to switch to baseball. And then baseball gets going and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want it to end. I don't want to go over to hockey, you know, because I just, yeah. this job is my dream job because hockey and baseball have always been my two favorite sports. So to yeah. work in both. Um, but they're just such different roles. I mean, you know, hosting, I mean, yes, there's still the storytelling aspect, but it's a lot more of the X's and O's part of it, you know, getting those questions and um, starting that conversation with whoever my analyst is. And then but the, the sideline reporting stuff, that's when you kind of get to tell the stories that people don't see and the behind-the-scenes stuff, which I love doing. So I don't know. I like both of them for different reasons. And so it's, it's literally – I would be heartbroken if one aspect of my job went away because I love them both. I know that sounds like such a cop-out answer, but yeah. And how do you know, like, when you've had, when it's been a good day versus a bad day? Hmm. Ooh. Like, do you, do you ever, are you ever done and just like, I crushed it today? Yes, but rarely. And what are the ingredients of, like, what is that? (sighs) It's rare because I'm very hard on myself. Um, I always have been, and I... And I think a lot of that, you know, going back to taking over for Jamie, she was, you know, such, every, she, everybody loved her. And I felt like I had such huge shoes to fill. And I feel like I kind of came in here putting an insane amount of pressure on myself, which probably set me back quite a bit as far as where I wanted to be in my first year and first and second year. Um, but f- so if I feel like I have a good show, it's, you know, it's uh, it, that the questions that I asked garnered really good conversation mm-hmm. with my analyst or if I know that I came across a story that nobody was going to have and I get to tell that story, those are the moments where I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Like in particular, I remember one of my favorite stories I ever did was a couple years ago with the twins went back when we were traveling, we were in Detroit. And again, this was when we were in the club allowed in the clubhouse. And I was noticing that uh, Nelson Cruz was kind of walking around talking to a bunch of people. And then I saw him hand his credit card over to one of the, um, the locker room attendants or the clubhouse guys. And I was like, okay, something's going on. So I went and asked Dustin Morse, the, um, you know, head communications guy with the twin, you know, twins, what's going on? And he's like, oh, it's such a good story. It was a themed flight from Detroit to Cleveland. And, but it was in September. And so all of the rookie call-ups and all of the guys yeah, they who... They had to wear stuff? Or? Well, no, the whole team. They'll do, like, okay. themes. And so, like, this trip in particular was football-themed. And so everybody brought their favorite football team jersey. And it was just going to be a football-themed flight. And the flight attendants always... Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and they decorate the airplane and stuff. Well, there were so many rookies in September call-ups that didn't have jerseys. And Nelson found out about it. So Nelson gave his credit card to the Detroit clubhouse guy and said, can you just go to, like, a Dick Sporting Goods and buy, like, 35 jer- jerseys? I don't care what they are. Obviously, they're going to be all Detroit Lions jerseys. But he made sure every player and every staff member had a jersey so that nobody felt left out. Awesome. Because that's just how Nelson is. And that... That is a story, you know, that the, the viewers at home, the fans wouldn't know about unless you yep. have somebody in the clubhouse like that. And I, it was just one of those, you know, a lot of people tweeted, you know, that yeah. they love that story. And so I, I love telling those things. I was watching that so. game against the Yankees when he uh, – Chapman's pitching, right? Throws like 700 miles per hour. And you're just – the game is over mm-hmm. when this guy comes in. Not to mention the Yankees completely – 
own the twins. Yes. It's Dar- yeah. Darth Vader stuff. It's really bad. <laughs> it's deep. And I was out on my porch with my son, and I'm like, hey, let's watch this. I, and we like, in, like the bottom of eight or something. I was like, mm-hmm. this, something's going on. Let's just see what happens here. Mm-hmm. And when they came back, and I think they were down five to three or something, they, they won. And uh, so then I, um, I bet on them to win the Central. I'm like, this team is, they've been hurt so much. Yeah. They're hitting the ball out of the park. They've had these weird pitching. I'm like, I don't. We're not this bad. I yeah. and then it was kind of like the first couple days, but now they've won five in a row. Yeah, starting to. I don't know. Do you think we have the goods? What do you? I mean, I don't know what you can it's, and can't say, but I. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the central's not that good. Maybe we get rolling. Well, I'm just shocked at how the season has gone, and I'm never one to make excuses. But when you look at how many injuries this team is dealing it's unbelievable it's almost mind-boggling and the injuries that they've had like poor mitch garber like i i can't a i can't even imagine how painful that was but like that's such a fluke injury um he took one uh where you don't want to take one yeah and had to have surgery and like i saw him the other day walk around and i was like how are you feeling he's like how do you think i'm feeling (laughs) i was like again i have no reference but i can't imagine that that was enjoyable by any means but like i mean even last night to see buck get hit in the hand and now he's out with it that kid it just breaks my heart because he's such a good guy and he's obviously a phenomenal player he plays with 110 percent every day and then he just keeps getting hurt and a lot of them are not his fault but it's yeah so i do i'm shocked at where they are i'm shocked by the injuries but i'm shocked that you know things that have happened that are not injury related because i do think this team is much better than the record indicates it's just that they just have such a huge hole to try to well, climb out of what's let's switch i think they're gonna do it man i'm I'm, I'm serious i I'm wouldn't in. be surprised it was it was so by the way this oh, bet it was 25 heart you're a homer big big heart Twenty. Twenty, but it was twenty five dollars to win eight hundred if they won yeah. the central. I'm like, I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. White Sox. I mean, come on. If they did, it would be historic. I saw it's, a stat like no team has ever. What was like lost twenty five of the first thirty five games and made the playoffs or something ever. There you go. If I they, it was something like that. I mean, it was whatever their record was at the time. Nobody had ever had that record and then gone on to the postseason. But I agree, there has been. You know things with this team over the last couple of years that there's there is something special. I just can't figure out why it's not clicking the way that I think a lot of people would have expected this year. Are you a Minnesotan now? Do you? I mean, like that we got some real stuff with our sports and demons and and like I saw you doing a nail gun on Instagram, which was outstanding. Hey, yeah. But like, are I, you a Minnesotan? How Minnesotan are you? I would love if people would um, let me claim Minnesota as home. <laughs> I know I feel like Minnesotas are, or Minnesotans are kind of. Um, no, not at all. Awesome. That's not what I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna kind. say, but um, you know, provincial. When, well, when they say you know like she's one of us or yeah. whatever, I know it's like you literally have to be born in Minnesota. So I, I guess I'm hereby officially asking for permission to claim myself as a Minnesotan. (laughs) No, because I mean, obviously Chicago is always going to be home, but I love Minnesota. I mean, I've moved around after our college in Florida. I lived in Atlanta for four years and I lived in Huntsville, Alabama for a year. And then I lived in Nashville for two years and then here in Minnesota, um, Minneapolis is by far my favorite. Can you keep a secret is sponsored by 
the Minnesotan. The Minnesotan is one of my favorite stores in the world. They're located in White Bear Lake and at www.theminnesotan.com. They fill their shelves with limited merchandise from select partners, whether it's Roosevelt shirts, soda style, they've got swimsuits, they've got golf shirts that will absolutely blow up the tee box because they're so interesting. If you want something with a shark on it, they have it at the Minnesotan. And for 4th of July, they are loaded with red, white, and blue gear. Get over to the Minnesotan or the Minnesotan.com and buy yourself something that will become a conversation piece in your wardrobe for years to come. That's the Minnesotan. Well, let's go hockey. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the Wild this year? Oh my gosh, what a, oh, that was such a fun season. I, me personally, I'm just so glad that Kirill Kaprizov was what we expected and then some. Because that would have been really hard to swallow. If, you know, all the, you know, the hype and anticipation, if that fell flat, that would have been tough. Um, given the circumstances of this year and everything that happened and how things were going when they had to take the COVID break, yeah. uh, I think it was great. Obviously disappointing how it ended. That was, you know, that was a bummer. I went into game seven thinking, like, I really had a good feeling about so, it. Oh, that was a bummer. Yeah. Because actually what, what, what I will say is they showed a lot of stuff that they normally – or not normally, have not shown in the past. Down 3-1. Mm-hmm. Yep. They usually, i got to be careful because I'm a huge wild fan. Um, you know, they would mail it in. And, you know, to get to Game 7, and granted, a little bit of a clunker Game 7, at least they showed some heart. And, mm-hmm. So, you know, John's got a major crush on Kaprasov. I love him. Uh, it's bizarre. Well, I want to see if you agree with some of this. So, mm-hmm. so he's like 24 Twenty three, yeah, or just turned twenty four. But he he looks like a like a little baby or something. (laughs) Like when I see him, he looks like um, you ever see the foosball guys, you know, with the rosy cheeks and you know, (laughs) like he just he just looks he's so happy, he's smiling, Um, and I think for me it's like he came. We really haven't had electricity. I mean, Mary and Gabrick people talk about, but he was so different. It was like a thoroughbred horse that was always like. Mm-hmm. Had a hurt groin all the time. He's like a Ferrari, right? He was in the shop all the time. And Kirill was like this. Grinder. He's just happy. Star. He's he's an awesome passer. I yeah. think he's a better passer than even shooter. And um, he just uh, he just made us ex- like cool and exciting and yeah. gave us a little video game vibe. I, For I sure. It, well, yeah. I mean, the Wild have never had a player just with that much excitement surrounding the player. I think. I mean, like everybody goes back to Gabrick and and. No knock on him. Of course, he was incredible, yeah. and he was by far their best player for a long time. And and but the, Kaprizov is just another level. And they've never had somebody who, when he's on the ice at any given second, he can change the game with one shift. Yeah. At both ends. Yeah, he. I mean, he, he plays both ends. And the some of the hits that he took and just pop right back up and you know. Right back in it, flying down the ice as if nothing happened, especially when teams started kind of targeting him. And, and understandably so, of course, they're going to go after him. But there was a couple hits where I was like, oh, gosh. You know, like, and then you, like, squint, like, open one eye. Is he okay? Is he okay? And he's fine. You're like, oh, thank God, because they can't afford that. Oh, but, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens next year. I'm not really a big believer in sophomore year slumps, but I know sometimes they're real, but I'm not too worried about him. And I think that's why everybody, you know, the Calder trophy thing, they're like, well, he's not really a rookie. He played pro 
So I don't, I'm not really concerned about there being any drop-off next year, but. Have you spent any time in his Instagram? I have seen some things. It's so good. It's, it's, it's the most Russian thing I've ever seen in my but life. But it also it's makes like, him more relatable. Oh my God. Yeah. He's always like holding like a baby deer or he's like, for some reason, I think he lives in Siberia. So he's like fishing in, at a wedding right now and he's wearing a winter hat. I mean, it's, it's the end of June. So I don't even know yeah. where, where that happens, but yeah, he's always like riding horses or it, it's, it is very good. I think they're, I think they're completely the team to get excited about. Yeah. I mean, you're the twins guy saying, I mean, twins have done well, but I think I've never been more excited for a team than the wild right now. I think two of my favorite aspects surrounding Kirill Kaprizov, one was the chemistry that he somehow developed overnight with Matt Zuccarello, which I thought was awesome, especially considering Matt's wasn't even in camp. And then it looked like they had been skating together for years. Um, but the friendship between Kaprizov and Matt Dumba and how excited Matt Dumba would get when Kirill would score. Like the one time when they had him mic'd up and you can just hear Matt like giggling like a little kid, like, yeah! like you know, running to give him a hug on the ice and stuff. Um, I just love that. I love how much they've kind of took it upon themselves to make sure that he's comfortable adjusting to a, a new league, but a new league in a new country and and stuff like that. I, I just I love following that kind of stuff. So who, who, who is your favorite analyst? See, that's impossible. Oh, well, I'm never... There's a way honestly, to answer that question, though, where you okay. say... If it's like horoscopes, okay? <laughs> so if, if you're into this, yeah. you might like this analyst. And if you're into this, this might be more your style. Well, see, that's, I think, the reason that I love my job with the Wild so much is because I work with so many different personalities. Yeah. Um, that was probably my biggest detriment my first year. A, you know, just adjusting to a new job and... You know, like, I'm not naive. I know people hated me when I first started started here. Um, and I struck, oh, God. Oh, my God. You should have read, like, or I shouldn't read. But, you know, it's just tweets and stuff. People oh, were just vicious. Just vicious. And that's fine. I mean, I know. But, you know what, I'm, I'm never read very honest. Yeah, never read the comments. Um, I struggled. I mean, I had only been in TV for a couple years. I mean, I, I didn't get into TV right out of college. You know, yeah. I worked... I worked for the in the Braves front office. I used to work for Steve Harvey on Family Feud. Like I, I had Wait so many. I know that's a whole other story. Wait a second. This is about. That's a whole other story. You gotta circle back. I we will circle back Please to that. Do. But um, so I didn't get back into television until years after I graduated from yeah. college. So um, the analyst thing, I think my first year or so was hard because Chorsky, Clymer, and Wes all have very different personalities yeah. and so you get used to working with one you know for like three four games straight you get in a rhythm and then somebody else comes in and you're like oh wait that's right they do it so differently and then you're kind of trying to adjust to that and so trying to establish chemistry which is so important in that role people can yeah. see if you have chemistry with somebody or you don't right, you right. know and you can't fake it and so that was really hard and then so I'll be honest like this year I felt an insane amount of pressure because we had two new analysts in Gigi Marvin and Mark Parrish, who I had never worked with before. Right. And so it's not only just breaking in one person who's new, it was two people, both who had never done this role before. Right. So that was a little challenging, but it honestly, both of them were so great that it, I think I was nervous for no reason because right. they were both so easy to work with. Right. Um, so I can't say who my favorite is because they're all so different and each one of them has 
strengths that others don't, so, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's actually, I didn't realize all those, that was the starting rotation. That's pretty good. Well, and so, and then there's still Wes and still Climber, and then, Chorsky. and, well, Chorsky's gone, and so okay. it's Greenlight, but then Ryan oh. Carter did a couple pre-games. So that's five different analysts, Carter's you know, trying to get... No, he stop. I hear he's such a jerk. They're honestly, they are all so great. Like I, yeah, I, I. So I, I will never answer because I love, I love all of them. No, yeah, it's they're great. Honestly, I feel really lucky to have five different analysts, all of which I really enjoy as people and working with. You guys, you guys go back and forth a lot between, um, you know, work. I mean, like. When you're off, I mean, meaning... Do we, like, texting we, or... Well, no, no, time out. I, I'm not saying it right. During the, during the broadcast, mm-hmm. when you're not on air, mm-hmm. you guys going back and forth. On, oh, 100%. And that's, I think, critically important, too. I feel comfortable asking all of them questions. Yeah. Even if it might be a dumb question. I always do a little happy dance, and I'll be like, Wes, I have a question, and it's probably a dumb question. And then I ask it, he's like, no, actually, that's a really good question. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm nervous that I'm going to ask something really stupid. Sure. No, he's great, but... I honestly, I learn something about the game every game I work because yeah. of people like Wes. And like Gigi has brought such a different perspective because just from a female's perspective, and I, I will say this, obviously I think men and women communicate differently anyways. Right. So Gigi will explain things in a way that I've never heard other people explain it. And she just has such a great eye. And like, so there's been a couple times this year where she'll start talking and I'm listening and I'm like, Oh crap! It's my turn. I'm supposed to talk, you know, because I'm so focused on what she's saying. Um, but yeah, so like Very I said, cool. I love love my job. How are how are hockey guys and baseball guys different? I don't think they really are now. And this is an honest, honest to God, I feel so blessed because every team that I've covered along the along uh, the course of my career, I've I really haven't had very many issues with the players being disrespectful or have any issues. They're always very um, easy to work with. And that's not always the case. I have friends in this business who have dealt with just horrible locker rooms or clubhouses. And I mean, that's from the thrashers to the, to the predators, to the Titans, all, I mean, every team. And then obviously up here with the the twins in the wild. So, um, but I I don't know. I don't know how they're different. That's a good question. I circle back on them and I'll think of something. Well, usually analysts are pretty, you know, knowledgeable I would think they'd be similar with their sports. Well, and keep in mind, and I'm not in the wild locker room to the extent that I am with the Twins. You know what I mean? Like, I like I would go to practice, and I know some of those guys. Obviously, it's really different, though, because of last year and this year. I can't, couldn't be in the yeah. locker room. So even this year with the Twins, now that we're finally allowed on the field, like, I went up to Josh Donaldson. I was like, Josh, nice to meet you, finally. Like, I've talked to him a million yeah. times on Zoom, but I've never met him face-to-face. He's a cool dude. Very nice guy. Yeah, I yeah. like that dude. I like his hair. Like <laughs> yeah. He's got the cool, yeah. like, blonde stuff. So if you think of all the personalities, you've, you've been in Minnesota for, what, seven years, six mm-hmm. years? So who are some of the all-time good guys? Like, like if you had, like, a eight-year-old niece or nephew and you wanted to be like, it's okay to believe in this person in today's day and age, who would you? Who was on that list as far as, like, yeah, put a poster of that guy person in your locker it's not going to end poorly um the two that come to mind right off the bat one is no longer playing but brian dozier a hundred percent my boyfriend brought his uh younger son to a game a couple years ago and i got them field passes to come out on the field during batting practice and 
Um, his son isn't a huge baseball fan, but I before the game I went over to Brian and I said, Brian, you know, my boyfriend's bringing his son. You know, trying to get him into baseball. Will you go over and talk to him? And Brian comes out of the the dugout and he's like, tell me, you know, tell me a little about yourself, whatever. Nice to meet you. And I just was like, okay, that's awesome. He went out of his way to. And where's he from? He's got that. His voice is so good. Like Mississippi. I could, I could listen to Brian Dozier talk yeah. all day. He's yeah. got that cool accent. So Dozier, the other one would be uh, Marcus Foligno. Yeah. Such a good Oof. guy. Just such a good guy. Yeah. Um, he's great too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I re- like. I really could. What? He's just giving me a hard time. Oh. I don't know if they're crushes. You go all in on stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, worries me a little bit. No, but if like Felino makes you feel safe, you know, like again, you're talking about some really odd stuff. Hey, if this place was burning down, Dozier and Felino come in here and they firemen carry us out of here. All right, it's if true. They did that, then I'd be a fan. <laughs> but until that happens, I'm just gonna. Well, if the, the Felino thing, though, when he was fighting that guy, and it was lights out, and he just, yes. he just, like, Gently laid him on the ice. <laughs> and then, like, was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> he's like, hey, yeah. he's good. Yeah. <laughs> Check, please. Yes. I mean, that's, take him off the ice. Yeah. that's a different, different sort yeah. of deal. So, okay, so back to the, the pre-COVID, would you travel with both teams? No, only with the Twins. Yeah. Yeah. That's a ride, right? It is fun. Yeah. yeah on the road all the time and And honestly because I grew up a huge baseball fan but I was a Cubs fan so a lot of the teams and a lot of the ballparks that I was more familiar with were all National League teams so then traveling with an American League team and going to these places that I never thought I'd ever go to I mean like first time I went to Fenway was awesome you know going to Yankee Stadium awesome places like that uh you know, I, I feel like I need to start crossing the stadiums off my list because there's only a couple now that I haven't been to but yeah, I loved being on the road. I mean, it's a it's a grind sometimes, and yeah. you, especially those three city trips. You wake up in the third city, you're like, wait, where am I again? Right. Like, especially if you're tra- like changing time zones, it really but throws you out. But right? yeah, you travel with the club. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny though. Yeah. Will you uh, will you guys go back on the road? I don't know. We're still waiting to hear. I hate that. Things They're are changing so. Everybody's being so cheap. No, like companies. It's oh. like no one's going back to the office. It's all John, just. It was a huge hit. Tom loved it. I think it was a direct shot at me. No, but it, uh, I, I think at some point, like there was a reason we did all this stuff back in the day. And it's just, it's just good. What's an underrated city? Like what's a city you went to and went, Oh my God, I love myself some X. Like baseball city. Yeah. Like, Um, wow. Like, no, you won't believe this, but this place kicks some serious ass. Oh, that's a good question. See, okay. I'd have to think about that a little bit, because I'm going to throw you off by saying one of my favorite cities to go to on the road is Cleveland. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I love Cleveland. I, yeah. I, I'm i a big fan of cities where we can walk to the ballpark. Yeah. And I like walking over there. Um, the casino being right yep. across is kind of fun when you've got the day off. I'm and a big fan of Cleveland myself. I, I love playing craps. I've had some good some good turns at some of the tables there in Cleveland. Um, but, man, that's... I I also love Tampa. The ballpark is not great. It's way out there. But too, I right? love St. Pete. And obviously, like being that I went to college in Florida, a lot of my friends still live in the St. Pete, Tampa, Clearwater area. So it's always fun to see friends. But I love the hotel that we stay at in, in Tampa too. So, but I don't know. There's, I really can't wait to like eventually, hopefully, go to um, to Pittsburgh because I think that's a beautiful ballpark. I love. 
I love the view. It's right up there with, um, is it even still called AT&T now? We're um, out in San Francisco with yeah. the bay in the back. Oh, it's hard to beat Comerica. that. America. Pittsburgh's a great town. Yeah. It's a great town. Great sports town. Yeah. I mean, it really is fun. So what about you? What about the city, St. Paul, Minneapolis? Because you're, you're living in both worlds. Um, what, what, so how do you, how do you, what do you, are you a 651 or a 612? You've been here long enough to oh. maybe know. What do you mean? Are you like area codes? Yeah, like I Paul still or have my, oh, I was going to say, I still have my A47 area code from Chicago. Well, so you're basically asking me which one I like better. Well, no, not, so not the team. Um, so I always thought Minneapolis culture, you know, all the bands, everything's mm-hmm. happening. Um, St. Paul is more like, you know, there's a parade. Yeah. You know, the hockey was in St. Paul. Pretty different. Maybe a little more blue collar St. Paul. I'm just curious, do you do you identify with either side of the Twin Cities? Ooh. Not the teams, the cities. Just the cities? I don't think so. Because I'm not, like, you know, I just said I want to be officially a Minnesotan. Can I be um, like Switzerland and be neutral? And yes, just sir. not you, pick you one. Can be, you can yes, go. I live in <laughs> I live in Minneapolis. My significant other lives on the uh, St. Paul side, so I got it covered. Both. You got it covered. So, what's your life 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 like in the sense that there's all these games are always at night? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got it, like in terms of your living mm-hmm. part of your life, doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you like? going to early dinners or like what what's your no i mean because you know the one of the i guess the perks of the schedule is that when the team isn't playing i'm not working so it's not like i'm working a million days straight and never having a night off i mean baseball can be a grind if you know last year obviously was different because marnie and i both wanted to work every game possible the year before that i think i worked like 80 or 90 of the games, which is the most I had worked in a season. And I'll probably come somewhat close to that this year. Maybe not. Um, just with everything being so weird with hockey still going into, you know, into June, which is weird. Um, how do but, you decide on the schedule? Like with baseball, how do you know if there's 162, how do you pick which games you're doing? Marnie and I will go over, um, if we have any requests off, we'll compare schedules. We actually have a good dynamic and understanding. So, and then once we have our um, our kind of requests, we just send them over to our boss and he schedules as is. Who's somebody from uh, you, that you admire in your industry that you look up to or try to emulate? It's mm, a good question. Um... I've always been a big Michelle Tafoya fan. I think she's, 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 she's just good. I mean, she's, she's so knowledgeable. She's very well-spoken. She's, I, I, in my opinion, I think it's important for you for somebody in that role to be likable, but also trustworthy, like in the sense that when she speaks, people want to listen and they know they're getting good information. And she's just, I think she's just wonderful. So she's always been somebody I like Tracy Wolfson. Some of the younger girls that I love, I love Allie LaForce, even though I'm not a huge basketball fan. I just love her work. I think she's great. And plus she's just freaking gorgeous. I have such a girl crush on her. It's unbelievable. Um, and actually and Laura McKeeman is another one. I've, and I've known Laura since before she got into the business when she was Miss Florida and so I've seen her grow from when she was a sideline reporter for the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays into where she is now on ESPN. And I think she's phenomenal. Hmm. Um, and she's younger than me, but I still admire her completely. I think she's great. 
What advice would you give to someone trying to do what you do? You know, they're coming out of college. You know, how would you I'm tell sure them to? There's a ton of people that want to get into what you do. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, because it's it's a great job. It doesn't feel like you're working. And my parents always said that, um, you know, if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And my it's, parents said that too. And yeah. I've been working my ass off for thirty years. From a female perspective, you have to work hard and you got to block out the haters. And there's always going to be somebody who's who assumes that you're only doing this because you want to marry an athlete. And you just have to work that much harder to quiet the naysayers, I guess. There's a lot of people that my, – my favorite assumption is people assume that I have a teleprompter during hockey and that somebody is telling me the questions to ask during baseball, which is not true. I write everything. I don't have a prompter. So a whole, you know, half-hour-long pregame show is completely unscripted. It's just you know, it's kind of off. We have a rundown, obviously, but there's no script. There's no teleprompter. There's nobody in my ear telling me what to say. So there are those people who just assume I'm a talking head, and that is sometimes hard for me to bite my tongue on, um, but I can understand why they would assume it. But it's fun to well, prove them wrong. That- Sorry to cut you off, but no. I gotta tell you, like, it's interesting because I think baseball and hockey would be difficult in your role because it's when football is one game a week, mm-hmm. so you can kind of just roll with things and have pre-production stuff, and you, you have to go day after day yeah. after day after day after day, yeah. a lot on the fly. So yeah. I mean, it's got to be more of a challenge, right? It is. It's a it's a grind, and unfortunately, in a season like this one, when things aren't going as great or has you know like we all hoped or expected it is hard to come up with the stories and the storylines. And then when you're not on the road or you're not in the clubhouse, it's difficult. So it is a lot to keep up with. And eventually, you know, there are going to be games where are just like, oh my gosh, like I need to find a story or an angle and it's tough. But then when things get going, like how they're playing now, then the stories start coming in and... Everybody's happier. Yeah, and it, you know, it just makes it a little easier, but... And you think, I'm sure it's true, you, you feel more... Um, at least online, there's just more more grief given to females coming up the mm-hmm. ranks. 100%. I mean, I, and I was really bad at it. I, I used to care probably more what people thought, you know, a couple years ago. I really done my best to just stop worrying about it because you're never going to make everybody happy. Not You know, you're never going to have 100% fan base. There's going to be people who don't like you no matter what. But it does kind of make me laugh and also infuriate me when... I will get comments about my hair, my wardrobe, my makeup, like the most ridiculously stupid things, but you never see anybody asking Wes why he's wearing a blue suit the day that we're playing the blues. But (laughs) every once in a while people will say it, but like, I mean, like there was one girl, it's another story, and I always tell people, especially that are looking to get in the business, there was one girl on Twitter my first year um, do you guys remember when Duncan Keith like slashed Charlie Coyle in the face and only got like a one game suspension yep. or something? Like he was on the ice and he literally like hauled off and slashed him. Um, that next day we were playing Detroit and I was wearing a dress, very high cut, like little capped shoulders, so not long sleeves, but all the way down to my knees. So very modest dress. And it was kind of like a raspberry hot pink. And this woman tweeted me and said, wow, Audra Martin's dress is just like Duncan Keith's suspension hashtag not enough and I so I responded and I said what what is not enough about my dress she goes you need to be more conservative and I'm like looking I'm like the neckline is up to my neck and it's down to my knees I don't really know like just because I'm showing arm I was like I don't I didn't think that was risque and so I kind of said something along those lines she goes okay well maybe maybe so but 
um, why are you wearing red when we're playing Detroit? And I said, well, two things. The Wild are also a team that ha- is yeah, red. Yeah. You know, one of their colors is red. Second of all, it's not red. It's like a hot pink. And third of all, my wardrobe has no effect on what happens on the ice. And she goes, okay, maybe so, but hot pink and hockey don't mesh. And I was like, oh, my God. So I literally just can't win. At that point, I was like, okay. And then she messaged me, or I messaged her, and I just was like, why do you rip on me constantly? Because I've seen her tweets. So she DMs me back, and she was like, I don't know. I'm just not a fan, blah, blah, blah. And we just chatted a little bit. And then by the end of the conversation, she was like, you know, I'm really sorry. You're honestly probably a really nice person. And I'm just in a bad mood, blah, blah. The next day, the night or the next game, I get a tweet from her <laughs> at the gym, watching my girl, Audra crush it on wild live. I was like, Oh, so now I'm your girl. Like, what? <laughs> it was like- do, you, do you still read the, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I would, so my, my theory on it is, Damn, so if you're, awful. if you're Harry Styles, if you're Bieber like, and you drop your you're album, her in that same just just hold on. Audra is is one degree away from Harry. No, yeah. but if you if you <laughs> but if you put a song out, and the second you put it out, five hundred comments. If if those guys were to read whoever you are, Taylor Swift, whatever, Taylor it's horrible. Mm-hmm. There is no reason to read the comments. It's it is it's vile. It's anonymous. It's trolls. The internet is literally the worst place on earth. Yeah. And it's and it's not helpful. It's just not it's not nice. You know, so I, I would never, you know, I, I disable comments on a lot of the content we make because and I know that that's not cool because there's a whole nother layer of tagging people and that kind of spreads the content around. But mm-hmm. I'm kinda like well, good. I mean, it's, good feedback you know. is one thing. Mm-hmm. Just being mean is a different whole. Yeah, and you're never going to survive in this business if you can't take a little bit of bit of uh, constructive criticism. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But when people are flat out mean and they, you can just tell, are loving their life, being a horribly miserable, mean person. I have no tolerance for people like that. So you're saying now you at least just kind of. Now I don't let it get to me. And majority of the time when you see a comment, when you go and look at their feed and all their other tweets, you realize that they are just a horribly miserable person and all of their tweets are negative. Those, it's really easy to block out. So what about your bosses? Mm -hmm. I mean, do they ever like say, don't respond or is it just, do they give you help or do they just say, don't worry about it, just do your thing? When I first started, yeah, my I think my boss was concerned that I was letting it get to me more than yeah. I should and he was right. Um, I think now they know that I don't really and I do always tell girls that are getting into this business like nine out of ten times if you kill that person with kindness they're going to come back and apologize. Like I remember one tweet in particular, it was right after I did my first segment um, on MLB network. So like my first like national thing, I was so Mm -hmm. excited. And this guy from like Ohio or something tweeted me like, wow, Audra Martin, you have a huge nose. You should chop that. You should chop that thing off before you ever go back on TV. Well, and I, so I responded, I said, yeah, tell me something I don't know. I got it from my, my, dad unfortunately oh no he said he called me a witch that's what it was and he was like you look like Jesus. a witch you should chop that off before you go ever go back on tv i was like well yeah tell me something i don't know i get it from my mom or from my dad and my grandma and i said but if i'm gonna be a witch can i be glinda because i really like her i'm a huge yeah. wicked fan and nice. he was like judo Oh, and then of course, you know, a few minutes later, I'm really sorry that was really mean of me to say i was like, why would you even say it in the first place? Like what 
I don't I don't understand just yeah, being but I'm so then glad what, that I grew up in this whole thing. Was he on the elliptical the next day like watching my watching my, watching my witch <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walls and all those boys yeah. they don't get any of that shit. Oh, they do. I mean they get some shit, right? Well, they get but the stuff that they get is more about like their knowledge. Their yeah, or their delivery which is equally as bad. Um, but they don't get like the, oh, Wes, your hair looks (laughs) terrible today. You know, it's like, if you're going to trash me because you don't like me or you didn't think I did a good job, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to that, their opinion. But again, my hair or my wardrobe or any of this really has no effect on my ability to do this job. So I don't know why it becomes such a thing. Um, but whatever people, you can't you can't win them all right you can't win everybody over and it is what it is do you feel like it's gotten better so this year you know gg watching you know nfl referees scouts um nhl uh play by play Mm -hmm. you know female um, yeah i mean it's i I really felt in this last year Mm -hmm. yeah uh g i mean Mm -hmm. it's like it is it is changing it's being loaded in does that make it uh, better in this world of trolls, or does it actually make it worse because they're kind of? I'm just curious if you felt like, like you can get over the hump almost. Yeah. Like, like yeah, we're kind of we're kind of done with people like you, or to, do you feel it turning up more? No, I think it's I think it's helped. Um, I've seen a couple people who have tweeted, um, you know, certain female personalities and I love when I see it but you know even if it's just one or two people say hey you know I didn't think I would be a fan but you actually do a really great job um even if it's only one or two people that are changing their opinion you know that makes an impact and I do think people are starting to warm up to it like listen I get it I I grew up watching sports there weren't any female play-by-play people so I get that it's maybe an adjustment but why is it that a female can't do play-by-play? A lot of people defer to or default to the, well, she never played the sport. Okay, well, if you look at some of the, the most famous right. and well-respected play-by-play men, they never played that sport either. So right. I don't understand. Yeah. That's a little bit hypocritical, I think, in that sense. But I think it's, so I do think it's getting better, ultimately. Yeah. A lot of it's just familiarity. Like, yes. oh, there's Audra. She's been with us for years. Um, yeah, she's like... You start to like, oh, she's she's one of us, like yeah. you said. But yeah. that's a hard thing to to get, especially in Minnesota, because sometimes it is so provincial, right? Mm-hmm. That people are, are expecting something. So for you to be here seven years later, I mean, mm-hmm. you're definitely doing a decent job. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Like I said, I, I hope I stick around for a while. Can You Keep a Secret is sponsored by Workplace IT out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They're an IT service provider. They help small businesses with 100 computers or less. They have clients from Reno to Toronto. They manage your entire ecosystem, make sure it's stable and secure. Their way of saying it is we make IT boring, almost like an offensive lineman in football. When they're doing their job, you don't even notice. And when you get used to that sort of success, you don't take it for granted. You become loyal. They use proactive fixed rates versus reactive and hourly. So you're not going to be on the taxi cab meter with these guys and they're built so that you can focus on growth. That's workplace IT, the evolved approach to IT.
Honestly, I just wanted to ask about Steve Harvey. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, I'm just on my... I've just biting my tongue. So, yeah, it's really funny. I say this, and it usually gets the same reaction. Steve Harvey is a huge reason that I'm in this business. Um, So when I was living in Atlanta, I was working for the Atlanta Thrashers, and then they moved to Winnipeg. And so I lost my job there, and I needed a paycheck, obviously. So I had a friend who was doing production um, on Family Feud, and she was like, you know, we need a production assistant, like somebody to help with the audience. Do you want to, do you want to come work? And I was like, yes, obviously I do. So I worked with them my first year. Um, I was just like an audience coordinator, so it would help load in the audience. And because like what people don't realize is, you know, when the, the live studio audience, when the camera turns around, you can see the audience in the background, especially during Fast Money. And so we would have to make sure that there weren't like five people wearing yellow shirts because then your attention is drawn to that. Yeah. You know, so you have to like spread people out depending on what they're wearing. And then, you know, you have the contestants for the next You're talking shows. about Packer fans, right? <laughs> Was that a shot yeah, at Packer fans? Well, you don't want them on I, camera. I'm curious now about the whole yellow shirt. No, you're saying like you don't want any color, like you know, everybody in the same color, because it then it it draws a focus to that, you know, yeah. So and then plus you have to like, you know, people are there, like you might have like a family of six, and so you got to make sure that you okay, you got a family of six here, and then that leaves ten seats in that row, so then you're trying to okay, can I get a family of four? You know, you're spreading people out, so whatever. It's a weird, I guess, part of the dynamic of live studio audiences, but um. So then, uh, then my second year, I took over, and I so I was the lead contestant and audience coordinator. So I had a little bit more of a hands-on role. Well, the good thing and the really awesome thing about Steve is instead of going off stage during the commercial breaks and stuff, he stays on stage and he takes questions from the audience. And so somebody asked him one day, like, "What was the best advice you ever got?" And he said that there was somebody um, back in the day when he was trying to become a stand-up comedian who said you should never have plan B. And he's like, people always think that it's a good thing to have a backup plan. But this person told me that all you're doing is subconsciously telling yourself that it's okay to settle for something then less than your dream. And I was, company, I was sitting there in the audience. I get a Steve Harvey picture in here. <laughs> So he's, he's saying this, and I'm on my headset with my, so I was, I had like a crew of five people, and I get on the headset, and I just go, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, I literally felt like he was giving me advice. So that day, I went home, and I wrote him a note, and I, the next day. And you day, quit Family Feud? No, 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 it gets better. So I wrote him a note, and I said, you know, Steve, I really appreciated what you said yesterday about, you know, not having plan B. Just wanted to tell you, like, if you ever wondering if that resonates with anybody, it really did for me. Thank you. I feel like I needed to hear that. So I gave it to his, um, like, his manager, you know, because, you know, he's in his dressing room, and you can't just, like, walk into his dressing room, right? So I gave it to his manager. I said, hey, I just wanted Steve to have this note. So a couple minutes later, his manager comes out. He's like, Steve wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, boy. I was like, okay. So I go back there. He comes out of his dressing room. And he's like, hey. He's like, how's it going? I said, good. He's like, we got to talk about this note. I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, what is it? 
like, what is it that you want to be doing? I'm like, well, Steve, like, I love working here. Then he was like, that's not what I asked. Like, wow. I'm like, okay. Oh my he goes, God. That's a, that's a line cross. This yeah. is like Jimmy Cricket great. for you. It was great. Like, no, it was great. Steve Harvey like, changed your life. He was like, why do you work here? And I said, uh, I guess because you're my plan B. He goes, exactly. And I am never anybody's plan B. He goes, if you're here next season, I'll fire you. And he's like, what is but it that... he was being cool. He, oh, t- in total that Steve is. Harvey, like, yeah. you know, somewhat funny, but you can tell he's being so sincere. He's like, if you're here next year, I'll fire you. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm serious. If I And he goes, if I don't tell you that, you're never going to do it. You're never going to go after... And he's like, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I want to get into sports broadcasting. And he was like, all right, well, go do it then. And I was like, oh, my God. That night, I went home and I applied to every open broadcasting job in the country. I mean, I even applied for a job in Anchorage, Alaska, because I was like, you know what? He's right. And at that point, like I said, I had been out this of college for awesome. a while. And so I was like, wow. if I don't do it now, I'm going to be older than all these girls that I'm competing against. I'm like, I got to do it now. Well, I ended up getting the job in Huntsville, Alabama. And so I went to work and I told Steve, I said, I'm not going to be here next year. I got a job in Huntsville. And he gave me the biggest hug. He was like, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah. So then, flash forward a year later, so I was in Huntsville for one year, and then I got a job at the ABC affiliate in Nashville. And the year of the Final Four, the women's Final Four was in Nashville. And National Sports and Entertainment Magazine did an article about women in sports. And so they did like a sub-article about me, and there was one uh, female print reporter, and I was, like, I was the only female broadcast reporter in right. Nashville. And I told the guy that was doing the article, I told him a story about Steve, and he put it in the article. And so when the magazine came out, I was like, you know what, I should give this to Steve, he'd appreciate it. So I drove from Nashville down to Atlanta, and I sat in the audience of one of the shows, and Steve saw me, and he, well, because I knew, yeah. So so I gave the magazine, again, to his, his manager, and the break between episodes, he was like, Steve wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. So I go backstage and I'm sitting outside of Steve's dressing room and he comes out and he's got the magazine in his hand and he kind of, you know, is like doing like the hitting the, with his hand and he's like, and he had a tear in his eye and he goes, and he, he, oh he has the God. magazine. He goes, you have no idea what this means to me. And I said, you, you have no idea what you mean to me. And he was like, he's like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. He made me autograph it. And he still has the magazine. That is awesome. Holy yeah. That's, that's, that is literally, that is one of the best stories I've ever heard. Fantastic. He's great. So I always tell people, oh, and then like. He's the, your the, patron saint. He is my, like, I oh, literally. Yes. And the cool Godfather. thing about it was that the guy who wrote the article was just doing that part time. And he was like working in finance, but he wanted to full time be in sports. He quit his job after I told him the story. He quit his job. And now he's the editor, like Great the sports forward. editor. Yeah. He's like Jerry Maguire. Steve. So I got a really nerdy no, family feud question. Story. Yeah. So I went down a rabbit hole on that show during. Uh, COVID, I think, mm-hmm. just family just oh, crushing right. family. Such theory. a good show. And uh, um, I got two questions. Okay. Every handful of shows. Did you say porcupine? Porcupine. Porcupine. I was working that episode. I literally almost peed in my pants. And the the worst thing about it is like that clip that's on YouTube. They cut out like half of it. It was. Okay, that was legit. So legit. So legit. I can't even. Oh, God. It was. I have never laughed so hard in my entire life. And then the good thing is, like, again, when Steve would talk to audience members, like, weeks later, he would tell that story. And he would tell that story, like, at least 
three times a week because you know we would shoot four episodes a day you know every four days a week and he would tell that or that story and every time i would just be dying laughing it was so good wait a second really quick because you Four episodes a day. Mm -hmm. How long a day is that? Uh, so we would load in our first audience usually around 10, 10.30, and we'd wrap by 4, 4, 5 o'clock. We'd take an hour-long break. But so, you know, each episode is 22 minutes of content. But it would take sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we'd have to kind of reel Steve back in because sometimes episodes would take almost an hour to shoot. And there were some days we did because Steve at that point was still doing his radio show and he was starting to film his talk show in Chicago. So his schedule was really condensed. So there were some days where we did six episodes in a day, but it was anywhere from four to five. Okay. And then you, we would load in a different audience every two shows. So we would have hundreds of people waiting to get in to see an episode of taping. Because it's, it just became it's... comedy hour. It, I mean, it's, if you think it's funny what you see on air, you cannot imagine the stuff that gets cut. Hey, by the way... Oh, the other part of my job? Sorry, this is the other front. I don't know if you guys have watched it lately, but it, you know, it's gotten a little bit more not PG. You know, some of the questions are a little okay, yeah. dirty. Yep. And so we all had to, like, every once in a while, they'd be like, what's another way to describe a male body part? You know, because if you've ever noticed, like, sometimes they say, like, or an answer is, like, a dirty, somebody's yeah. got a dirty mind. And so you have to, like, come up with ways to say a body part without saying the name of the body part so and you had to write really... the answers that would flip yeah they would ask it they're oh like does God. anybody have a funny way to say like again like a, a body part and like so i remember once yeah, like, one Dingling. of my one of my assistants said a man's love log bing that's what turned around i was like oh god like <laughs> that was one of the biggest yeah well because yeah it was yeah all i can think about is steve harvey is nobody's plan b like no? i want to wear that t-shirt yeah like, so this is a nerdy question but yeah. i so when I was watching it a lot, I noticed every like five episodes they really cater to Steve, mm -hmm. and they have these questions that are about him. Yes. And if you're watching as a fan, I'm always like, oh no, because yeah. it's like it'd be like, we asked whatever they say, we asked a hundred people on the street, what was Steve Harvey's most sexy feature? Yes. And he, he just starts. He is just. So I always wondered was like, was that like negotiated into his deal? He's like, I want, I want you to double down on some Steve Harvey on the questions or does he kind of like, cause you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When they, it's and like, I know exactly which it's like they give about. him this. Yeah. Like, so to be honest with you, we didn't, I don't remember any of those questions being around when I was working there. Um, and my guess is no, because I know him and I remember watching one of the clips where when he read it, you can tell like, oh, are you kidding me? And he yeah. like shot a glance to Gabby, who's the executive producer who sits. In so the some row. focus group must, I think somebody that. just, you know, it was like, oh, we're going to be funny. And, you know, because Steve doesn't, I don't know. Like, I know he got a bad rap that a couple years ago when that article came out, when somebody said, you know, he's got all these rules. Like, oh, you can't talk to me. You can't come into my dressing room. And, and I remember people asking about it. I said, well, would you want people just walking into your right. dressing yeah. room and, like, asking for favors? I mean, that was the other thing that was part of my job before we would load in an audience. I had to go through a whole list of things. I was like, Steve is not going to come to your church fish fry. He's not going to pay for your co your kid's college education. And these are all things that people literally have the audacity to say. Like, I'm a single mom and my kid's going to college. I was wondering oh, if you could help me. Like, And it's crazy. like, so we literally had to start saying, you know, you can't ask for autographs. You can't ask him to come speak at your, your kid's high school graduation because that's all people were doing. They were yeah. showing up to try to get favors from him. So 
Um, but no, he's an incredibly nice guy. Um, his wife is amazing. I mean, I, I, I will never say a bad thing about Steve Harvey. I'm a big fan. I, yeah. I've that, watched him I mean, a bit. He sounds so cool. So when you were there too, though, they would have the celebrity ones? No, that started after I left. Okay. Those yeah. Are great. Yeah, those are good. That Kanye one is unbelievable. That I haven't one. seen that one. I'll have to oh, watch that one. With the Kardashians, is so good. We know you're not a talking head like the mm-hmm. bad people say on uh, <laughs> the internet. But it must be weird to be in the world, like you're in Kowalski's and like people know you or they, they know, they can't, maybe they can't even place you mm-hmm. or you just have somebody randomly, you're pumping gas and they're like, hey, you know, I mean, do you, is it weird being out in the community? Yeah, it is sometimes. Um, I will say I was a really big fan of masks because it was really nice to not have to do my makeup and I would just wear my mask and my like sunglasses and put my hair in a ponytail and nobody knew who I was because I like my off days like no makeup's going on hair's going in a ponytail I'm wearing like I look like complete crap and it's nice to not have to get dolled up but yeah I mean for some reason, it's always Target and the airport. Those are the two times where there's always going to be somebody, and maybe it's because people know that I travel a lot and or that I shop at Target a lot. But um, yeah, is and I always say this, like I love talking to fans. It's the best part of the job is like knowing that you get to tell stories to fans about teams that they love and players that they love. So anytime anybody wants to talk, like I'm all for it. Just so don't be an ass. Nice oh, for, yeah. Well, let's be honest. Most people are never going to say the stuff they say online to your face. The day that somebody comes up to me and says like something <coughs> that they've said to me on Twitter is I, like, I, I'll probably just like give them a high five. Be like, you're awesome. You're the first person that's ever come up to me and said, I effing hate you. Like, <laughs> you yeah, yeah you look like a witch. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. So what do you think, Cole? You got one? Yeah. What, what's your biggest advice for someone like me? younger people kind of maybe not even going into the business that you're going you're going into mm-hmm. but something that you you know you talked about your Steve Harvey thing what yeah. he taught you what's kind of your biggest lesson you learned that you would want to give to other people coming out of college pursuing the career that they want to that they want to be in do not be afraid to go after it 100 percent because that's honestly one of my biggest regrets when I graduated college I had somehow convinced myself that I didn't want to pursue this as a like as a career and that's when I got a job in the front office of the Braves and it took probably three months of me being there to realize that I did want to get into broadcasting and then it, it just became harder and harder and harder to actually get into it because I didn't have you know resume tape stuff and I didn't have the experience that I needed and so then before I knew it I had been out of college for four and a half years and in hindsight, I look, I'm like, well, if I would have just pursued it right afterwards, I could have been, you know, in Minneapolis working for Fox Sports North four years earlier than I was. Now, granted, luckily it worked out for me, but every day I regret that I, for some reason, told myself I wasn't good enough or it was too scary. I didn't want to move to a small town. Um, if you want to go after it, I would say go after it 100%. And then, then it does fall back on the Steve Harvey thing. And he always said, like, if you have plan A, you do everything that you can until you are confident that plan A is exhausted. And then when that happens, you make another plan A, but just don't have a backup plan in the process. So I would say if there's something you want to do, do it because I know it's so cheesy, but it's like tomorrow isn't guaranteed. I think we've all realized that a lot this last year that every day you waste telling yourself, like maybe I'm not good enough or it's too scary or whatever is, is a total day wasted. 
So. Plan A all the way. Plan yeah, there you go. Oh, plan A all the way. Woo -hoo. It's fantastic. I uh, and thanks for going with us. I think. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Man, Steve Harvey is your Jiminy Cricket. He's just the there. Been great. Yeah, life coach. That's he needs yeah. to be like the godfather of your children someday. I, I know, right? We didn't even get into Flaming Hot Cheetos. Which, oh, like, I do like Flaming Hot Cheetos. Awesome. <laughs> no, you guys are great. Thank you so much for. Thanks for coming to Stilly. No, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate You'll see him in the it. comments. TG, TG, TG. Jonathan St. Cloud told me to say this. Yeah. No, I appreciate it very much.